Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 207 of The Sausage Factory. In this episode, I chat to Sam Costa of Butterscotch Shenanigans about their excellent survival action-adventure game, Crashlands. But before we delve into that, let's chat about Kane and Rince and what else they have on their roster. Of course, you have Kane and Rince podcast itself. It's um, the latest episode. talks about ghouls and ghosts in great detail. Highly recommend it. Then we have Sound of Play, where... Scores, music scores, no less, of games are premiered, not premiered, given some attention, deserved attention. And that comes out on a Wednesday, and of course on Fridays we have The Sausage Factory. Now, you can find out more about those shows and also read excellent blog posts about video games and go to the forums, which are very active, I'm happy to say, at Kane and Rinse. You can also pick up all those podcasts using the podcast catcher application of choice. And finally, if you subscribe to us via Patreon, just giving $1 a month, just $1, 76 pence or so, you can gain access to even more content and extended versions of the Cane and Rinse podcast. So, without further ado, let's move on to the main feature. So, Sam, please tell us, who are you and what do you do? My name is Sam Coster, and I'm one of the co-founders of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm an independent game developer, and my specific things that I do are, uh, one is just wearing too many hats generally because there's only four of us in the studio, and one of the two major hats that I wear are the art and design hats, uh, as well as marketing and some other, you know, goofy odds and ends. So I mainly do a lot of vector art for our game and then or all of our games and then uh, sort of co-design with my brother, Seth, primarily. Oh, so the art design is your fault. Well done. Sir. It is. It is my <laughs> fault. I love that way of putting things. Yes. Yeah, I know it's a very odd way to say it, but uh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about a lot about that later on, but uh, with regards to Crashlands, because... Um, I mean, it definitely feels like it was a labour of love. This 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 thing evolved over a long time, I believe. Yes. So, and it shows. It shows. Thank you. But before we delve into that, let's delve into your background. How did you make your start making video games? Uh, so, both myself and my two brothers, who are co-founders of the studio, have some pretty windy paths when it comes to making games. And in my case. Uh, I actually have a psychology degree, and I did not have any art background whatsoever. I took, I think, one art class at in college, and I think my sort of magnum opus was a poorly shaded towel drawing that I had done at charcoal. So I didn't really have much in the way of, uh, of training ahead of time, but what ended up happening was I, I took a sort of a summer job with a, a local startup uh, in our city and they needed marketing help and they happened to be making a product that was sort of akin to the Unity Asset Store but about five years too early and also wasn't in Unity. And so my job was to find all the game developers that were in St. Louis and the city we're in and try to bring them together so that this company could, you know, both try the product on them and learn from them and sort of thing. So actually started as part of that internship the st louis game developers meetup and i was just doing it for the job 
right? So it's just my summer gig, just trying to get this thing done. And one of the ideas that came up for sort of a way to get the the base of people here engaged was to hold a game jam. And I had no idea what that was at the time. I just sort of came across it on the internet, uh, found out that it's this 48-hour game-making event. And so went about creating it, uh, you know, started trying to lure all the, all, all the people that I could possibly find in St. Louis to do this sort of thing. And for some reason at the time, I was like, where do game developers hang out? Probably Best Buy. I feel like that's where I would go if I was a game dev. And so I kid you not, I printed out a bunch of flyers and I went to like every Best Buy in the city and uh, like posted these things up all over the place, trying to see if some people would come across them from there. Uh, lo and behold, of course, the people from the meetup came, but it was a very new meetup. And so our total crew for the first one was four entire people. And that's including me. And I didn't know how to program at the time, did not know how to make games. And so about three days before, you know, I was just thinking about it. And I was like, man, this thing is uh, going to be a bit of a failure for this, you know, this company that I'm working for. And I knew there was only one programmer coming. And so I thought, well, maybe, you know, if I could figure out how to do this, I could double the total game output from this jam from probably one game to probably two games. And so I did some Googling around. I stumbled across Game Maker and uh, pulled it down, did a, like four hours of tutorials the night before the jam, and then went to the jam and made a game over the weekend, like a little stupid top-down shooter sort of a thing. And I was, I had sort of, I was just kind of confused. Like I, I finished on Sunday and I was like, did that just happen? And then... I sent the game and the the engine over to my brother Seth, who at the time was uh, pursuing a JD MBA, um, so some advanced education stuff, but was tremendously bored and had always wanted to make video games, but had never figured out how to kind of program and how to really get into it. And so I sent him this thing, and you know he got kind of uh, a little miffed because he was like, "What? Like, how did you make this? What is what what is happening?" And so he picked up Game Maker. I just went back to school, you know, and like I was very inspired by that weekend, but. Uh, you know, I grew up, we grew up in the Midwest in the United States. And so there wasn't like, there's not industry for this sort of thing around here. I never knew anybody who made anything like this. Um, never thought it was a thing I could do. And so I kind of just moved on from it. Uh, but Seth kept working on it. And then the next summer he came down to St. Louis and we did a game jam together again. I did the art again for it. Um, we did another one the following January and we ended up getting hired in the parking lot by the only other studio that was in town at the time. And that's how the whole thing started rolling, basically. And now I do art full-time and design. That's that's a fantastic story. Very different one to what I normally hear uh, on this show. We've had a, a lot of guests on. Um, they range from, it's... oh, yeah, I, I got a Commodore 64 when I was like a fetus or something, and I'd spent yeah. you know, my formative years plugging away at that and then I made game for 40 years we've had those people on and then we've had yeah, others I've... who went off to went to university to study the act of making video games which I'm rather old and that's the idea of that is like what <laughs> <laughs> but that's a thing yeah. now you know it's... yeah no I I do uh, like when I meet other especially meeting other video game artists you know because I'm really just I'm oftentimes very curious about you know how they go about their process for for making the assets to go in the game. And, and uh, yeah, I can't tell you the, the strange looks I get when people are like, you've been drawing for how long? And I'm like, well, since, since we started the studio, actually, it's only it's since we've done, been doing full time. So coming up on, you know, seven years now. Um, and everyone's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? So, you know, what? And I mean, I feel that way sometimes too, because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. They just, yeah, and just make it up as you go along. And uh, yep. the older you get, you realize that, wait, people don't, yeah, they don't, they don't know. They just, no. Yeah. They don't. They, they, they pretend. <laughs> they pretend yeah. everything's okay. But in fact, well, I think... it's actually on the tenterhooks of actually collapsing. <laughs> Yeah, well, it is all the time, and I think the the more you think it's okay, usually it's just because you don't quite know no. the reality of it. You know, what I mean, you just can't quite see how structurally unsound the building is that you've created for yes. yourself. And then later you look back and you're like, "Oh my god, how is that? How? Still, 
How is that still standing? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if we walk away from it now, it won't fall. It's so true. It's so true. <laughs> okay. So, uh, as of all video games and podcasts, things get harder. Yeah. Next mm-hmm. question. Awesome. This one is rather difficult to answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What do you believe are your biggest influences as a studio? As a studio? I yeah, think... as creators of games. What do you think is the thing so... you've latched onto or orbit around more than anything, whether you like it or not? I think uh, as far as sort of our dev process goes, I think we very much develop in what I think is referred to as like a bottom-up style of development. And so for better or worse, our studio has really grown out of uh, game jams. And so we tend to sort of, you know, just rapidly throw things together in like a 48 hour, maybe even a week long window uh, and use that seed as a, as a way to sort of build forward. And you know, it's not, it's not, that's not like an inspiration level thing. That's sort of like an interesting, weird uh, sort of process th- situation, I guess, with our studio. Um, it tends to create games that we didn't know that we were making, if that makes sense. So like Crashlands in the form it ended up in, it's not exactly how it was planned to be made. Um, and almost all of our games end up that way. So we, it, we are on this sort of strange journey of discovery as we're making the game. As it comes to sort of the the bigger game influences. Uh, all of us have played, you know, quite a bit of of things. I think speaking for my brother Seth, he played uh, was super into World of Warcraft, uh, which I myself had, had played quite a bit. And the way that they handled social interactions, and I think we're seeing this now with uh, you know, everyone wanting to play a classic WoW again, which was harder than Hades. Um, the way that they sort of smartly or accidentally. Uh, engineered social dependency into their game so people had to rely on one another and then the follow-on effects from that that were just so lovely for a lot of people um, are something we think about quite a bit and then in my case in particular when it comes to design and art and that sort of thing uh, I think the game the game that actually made me think I could make games was Ed McMillan's Binding of Isaac because uh, I just looked at it and I was like well I mean I could make that which of course was the most arrogant and dumb thing I could possibly think at the time, but uh, it sort of it's helped me sort of get in and open the door a little bit. Um, and then as it relates to sort of just the studio generally, I think we look at other studios like other independent studios that we think have done just phenomenal work, like uh, Supergiant and Behemoth in particular, for just kind of. In, in Behemoth's case, this sort of goofy world building and how they just stick to their guns with relation to their art style. And then with Supergiant, just the, the richness of the worlds that they build and just how tight the gameplay is. And so we're certainly, you know, not there when it comes to, you know, certain aspects of each one of these, either these studios or these games that we really like, but we're, we're constantly sort of integrating various pieces and, and thinking about our games in the context of those games to try to figure out, you know, how we can improve them along some of these dimensions. Yeah, I don't think um, don't do yourself down because what what Crestlands you've definitely got a, a unique style and there's aspects to it which uh, we are going to delve into, but there's a definite unique and strong style that you've got running through the game. Thanks. And, yeah. uh, it's a uh, and also you've mentioned a couple of studios there, one of which has actually been on the show. So Super Giant have been on uh, to chat about cool, yeah. Uh, and uh, but of course we now know them as Papaya. Which is an excellent, uh, if if somewhat strange, rugby stroke role playing game. Who'd have thought it? Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so which kind of neatly leads me on to my next question. So well done. It's almost as if you're looking over my shoulder. Thank you. I do my best. Which is a bit, mm-hmm. a bit creepy. Um, what developer <laughs> do you most admire in the industry and why? Mm, let's see. Oh man, I think it's it's one of those things where there's just. Can I have multiple? Absolutely. You know, as um, far as like, just... and it can be not just an individual. We can have companies as well. I do not mind. Yeah, I think uh, 
so, so yeah, as it, as it relates to sort of just studio style and stuff, like I said, uh, uh, Behemoth just being so unapologetically sassy is, uh, I think, just wonderfully admirable. Um, and the, the way that, like I said, they sort of, they have this art style that is just absurd and so fun. And in the fact that they just, they just stick to it and keep on sort of building on it and enhancing, I think it's just absolutely wonderful when it comes to specific people, specific devs. Um, I think generally like there's just a few of those people who, for whatever reason, seemed like they were around when I started myself getting started. And that, like I said, was Ed McMillan, um, who, and, and, uh, you know, the super meat boy, a part of his Tommy Rafines as well. Um, but just sort of the, anybody really, it's, it's anytime I hear a story about a, just a few people who have sort of too much audacity and, and just make something really good. Um, honestly, I could always just sort of take inspiration from that. So, so even something like just recently, you know, I was looking around on steam and I saw a uh, Parkosaurus, which I don't know if you've seen that, uh, in early access, but it's sort of the uh, you know, zoo tycoon game, but with dinosaurs. And how could it possibly go wrong? Yeah, how, but, and, but the thing is, like, they have this wonderfully goofy art style. And so, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, I want to, you know, I want to look up on this and, and read about this team and just kind of see what they're doing. And then, like, I try to just take inspiration from all over the place. And my most recent one, uh, if I'm being totally honest, was uh, Hollow Knight, which I was probably the first game that I've played in beaten in a couple of years i haven't actually finished a game in a long time and uh got that one on my switch and then uh and beat it over the course of a couple of weeks and was just was honestly just blown away by it yeah it and looks, um when you look at it go oh, another puzzle platformer until you yeah around, you clip around here and go no yep yeah the first yeah it's a metroid Vina. no no it look at it oh wait yeah it's it's, it's crazy it, like the it's so so that and then uh, Subnautica, you know, I played, I played that one. Um, yeah. And yeah. anytime I play one of these games that has, as we, we refer to it internally in the studio, is, as Bloom, which is a design that you sort of, you feel like you know the contours of it. Mm. And, then, and then at some point, cleverly, uh, it, it opens up more. So in the case of Hollow Knight, uh, one of the biggest ones for me, spoilers for people, uh, it was when you get the power that lets you basically blast off of walls horizontally for just an infinite, you know, an infinite amount of time you yeah. know, until you hit a wall. And I just, as soon as I got that, I was like, what the hell? Like, how, how? I can go how all would the you places to- now, all of them. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. And it's, in Subnautica, you know, I didn't, because uh, I hadn't like watched, I didn't really follow up on the game or anything like that. And I popped in, I was, I was enjoying myself. And then I made a freaking submarine. And then got in it and like had to put fuel cells in it. And I was like, what is happening? I mean, this is this bliss bloom was gigantic. And then most recently, you know, I was playing uh, Legend of the Zelda Breath of the Wild. Sorry. And uh, and even like they do it in there very, very cleverly as well, too, where sometimes you'll you get a new thing and it just like vroom, like the game just sort of opens, you know, yeah. um, and I love that feeling. So that's I like that bloom is sort of the thing that attracts me to you know nowadays after playing so many games to continue playing games and that's like when i see that then i almost always go try to read up as much as i can about the developers and subsequently get inspired so i guess long or short answer to your question is there are a lot of people who so it appear so it appear and uh, we do live in extraordinary times when it comes to video games uh, and again um although the audience are happy to know that i didn't delve in too well see look i mean i did play well they know the regular listeners don't know that any mentions of well i'll then go off on some tangent like <laughs> revealing some experience that i had that they've heard before yeah. so i'm not going to do it so i'm going to restrain myself see i'm good i'm a good boy <laughs> um but uh no one thing i've said about uh, one thing that's remarkable about video games now is that more and more people who have no interest in Star Wars are making them. And this is a good thing. Yes. Because it means yes. a broader palette of com- of, of content. You know, Absolutely. We have Stanley Parable, we have Papers, Please. It's so mm-hmm. the classic one. Is all, or indeed, Everyone's Gone to the Rapture is a favourite of mine. It's just like, if you pitch that to someone, you go, 
get out. <laughs> Leave my office. That is not right. a game. That is just nonsense. Get out. Yeah, yeah. And but no, you know, it's, uh, for me, it was uh, it was uh, it's one of the games that. One of the last games I played of last year is like towards the end of last year. You know, Christmas time we have like long breaks of just nothing. So you just mm-hmm. they're playing ridiculously long games that you can't play any other time of the year. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, that was you know I was playing Horizon during last year, which I don't regret. At all. Ah. It was a lovely, lovely game in my humble opinion. I know a lot of people weren't keen on it because but for reasons, but I I liked it quite a lot. And uh, in between the sort of in between bouts of that, I actually delved into uh, everyone's gone to the rapture, and that game is bonkers for for good reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love I love that there's there's enough diversity in yeah. in the making of them. Yes. Well, certainly not enough, but certainly more than there was. Um, much that, more than there was. Much more. Yeah, that, that you start. Oh, go ahead. Not everyone's uh, a space marine, and that's okay. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I love it. Yeah, we don't have to remake Aliens over and over again. Really don't. Mm-hmm. So, uh, right. Well, excellent answer to that question. We've got one last question in this first half. So, well done. You, you made it. Uh, thank the you, question thank is this. And, Bellamy, you have to be careful about how you answer this as well, because it can't be about your own game. Sorry. What are you playing right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I'm actually between things. I kind of like what you just mentioned. Uh, you know, we have our Thanksgiving break coming up here for this the end of this week, and then we'll have the holiday break coming up soon as well. And so uh, I sort of do a, a similar thing, which is pick one or two games to sort of uh, just dive into really hard uh, because, again, don't have the time for the rest of the year. And so the first one, uh, I believe I'm getting uh, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. Yeah, so I haven't started. I'm actually I'm between games right now, so I haven't yeah. started yet. But I've I've been downloading that literally this evening, and then I will get started on that because I heard it's absolutely bonkers. And you know, we're making a platformer for our next game, so we're stealing all of the ideas just from everybody ever. So I figured, you know, let's play one of the best ones recently. And then uh, my wife and I have a tradition, which is during the holiday we pick a game to uh, binge play together. Right. So. Likely what that one will be is uh, Stardew Valley for the holidays. Can you ever finish ever. that though? Probably not. I don't think I don't think you can, but like so our, our previous one, the best times we've had, uh so she doesn't really play games generally, but uh during the holidays, you know, we both plop down and find one to to play and and Terraria was sort of our go to for I think like two years. Right. You know, whenever we'd have one of these really long weekends and be like, What do we want to do? Let's get some snacks and just play, just play for seventy hours straight. You know, or something ridiculous, right. and uh, and it's so much fun. So I think it's, I'm, I'm, we're trying to kind of recapture that a little bit. I think Stardew Valley might might be the ticket uh, in some ways for that. Good choices. So that's what I got coming up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the the Donkey Kong game is brutally hard. Just perfect. Yeah, I love it. Um, it's good. It's good. But, oh God, assume the position. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. I'm so ready. <laughs> but uh, if you are making a platform, my biggest piece of advice I can give to you, and it's a bit trite, but do please play lots of Mario. I'm not kidding. I already uh, did. Yeah, yeah, I played, uh, I got Super Mario Odyssey. We stole a bunch of things from there. Yeah. Yeah, we're just sort of hoovering up everything we get our eyes on. The so. trick is, the what, and also play bad ones. Play bad platformers and find out why mm-hmm. they're bad. Um, yes. The worst offender is Little Big Planet. It's it's just, oh. yeah, to play it. Why is that? Why is that? Why would you say that? Like, well, I don't the, want to prejudice your 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 uh, feelings, but I'm going to share with you. The problem is it's it 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 commits the horrific crime of being floaty. Oh, yeah. yeah. So what happens no, is you land, but then you keep on going. <laughs> mm. So you mm-hmm. land and then he slides just a bit. Like what's that about? So what, what what happens is you can't. There's no precision at all. Gotcha. Which is yeah, yeah. just you just don't don't do that. There's no yeah. precision in 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 jumping in 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 uh, little big planet. And all three of them suffer from this. They never learned from this. They never learned. Yeah. They all suffer well, maybe, from this, this. This this maybe that's part of their part of their vibe. You know, part of their thing. It's it just was. sort of like a floaty, relaxy sort of thing. But it wasn't so you can't relaxing. do too much at once. Yeah, right. 
because <laughs> it was frustrating because you just <laughs> right. you never have that in a game the frustration is a very typically unless it's trying to treat something about being frustrated so okay fine but unless it's not that it's a bad thing to put a player in a level of frustration if 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 something happens and it's the fault of the game and it can be determined or mechan- mechanics of the game then the, then the game's at fault there it is mm-hmm. right so what happens is you land and you go skidding off everything is covered in grease <laughs> Every single platform is covered in grease. It's like the dreaded ice level in every single oh, man. platform game. Yeah, I think uh, so. Ours is a. It's it's got more. It's very. It's much more closer to something like Super Meat Boy in terms of precision. Yes. Uh, so it's yeah. There's there is not floatiness. I no. think when it, you it land too hard, freaking land. <laughs> That's it. That's you right. Slam That's right. down yeah. on that platform and you don't move. And that's, you Unless you want, want that, to, you know. You want that comfort, Sam. You want that mm-hmm. comfort in knowing that when I land on something, assuming there's something there, because, you know, leap of faith, no one likes that either, but let's just go mm-hmm. with that. And then you land and you go, I've stopped. You don't keep going. <laughs> <laughs> it's the amount of times I just watched him, sack boys. Just land, slide off. And then yeah. gently slide off and then to his death. I'm like, what, what was that? What? <laughs> Did anyone playtest this? Did anyone yep. say, hang on, that's dumb? No, they didn't, Sam. They didn't. Clearly not. Yeah, it's funny. Every so often you get some feedback from a player and then you realize that somehow your vision has your vision had narrowed so thoroughly that yeah. you just missed, you know, one of these really obvious and you're like, oh, oh yeah. I apologize for that. Hidden, one, to be honest. Hidden, they call it hidden in plain sight for a reason. Yep. Yep. You know, so uh, like I mean, I live on a main road, but no, you know, anyone delivers that can't find a place because it's hidden in plain sight. It's, mm-hmm. it's right in front of you. Oh yeah, there it is. Christ. Anyway, so that's it of the first half. I enjoyed that. I'm sure you did. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And so now we're going to go to the second half of the show, where we delve deep into Crash Land. is not a question that's a request because we can't talk about game game, game aspects uh, or concepts uh, about Crashlands until we know what it is. So please tell us, Sam, in your own words and understanding, because you have your own idea about what Crashlands is. I do, but you probably do as well. Sure. What is it? Crashlands is a crafting adventure RPG with a ridiculous story too many bad jokes and puns and tool tips that will hopefully just make you chuckle snort whatever you're drinking out of your nose yeah that's sort of the thing in a nutshell uh it's it's some people, dad jokes yes the game 100 <laughs> percent. that's it's dad jokes the game uh and some people have have referred to it as sort of like if you if you wanted to like something like don't starve or any of those survival games that are much more about survival. Uh, then Crashlands is sort of the the game for you. And we've had plenty of people also who who've been like, well, I hate crafting games generally, um, and we also hated crafting games, which is weirdly enough why we made one. Um, and so it's sort of the game that that a lot of people have found so lets them ease into the crafting genre in some ways. Yeah, it is. It it carries with it this sort of sense of you're kind of on the brink of dying here. You know, you're in a mm-hmm. bad spot, but jokes. <laughs> it's fine, you know? Everything's fine. Everything's fine. 
You are the little dog in the in the in the in the shed, surrounded by fire. Everything's yep. fine. Everything's fine. Things are fine here. You know, we got coffee. We got jokes. We're good to go. We're good to go. What's that man-eating thing? Don't worry about it. It's fine. What's that massive acid pool? It's fine. Yeah, everything's fine. You're not near it? It's coming this way. Granted, yes, it is sentient, but (laughs) everything's fine. So... You've already hinted at this, so it's the first design question, so Sam, so to break Sure, it. let's go. Uh, you've already hinted at this, but I want to I want to delve delve into it because how did you manage to design the progression so that it wasn't overwhelming to the player? Mm. So the first half hour of Crashlands took probably so this is what once we had all the content in the game. Uh, and we sort of just iterated forward from an idea, which actually started literally with a Roomba that I'd prototyped top down, picking up leaves. So you drive this Roomba le- around, you pick up leaves, and then after you pick up 10 leaves, they turn into sandals. And that, that this Roomba was wearing. And that was the basis of Crashlands. Kid you not. And as far as like how we got that progression to work, uh, it really came down to this idea of just the question of how, how should we be layering the systems in the game? And the hardest thing to do is actually the intro piece because, you know, having someone boot up a game for the first time and not just, not just be excited about it because of whatever's happening, but kind of like you said, not feel overwhelmed by the volume of systems that are being thrown at them or, uh, you know, the amount of information presented or that sort of thing is really, really, it's just hard. It's very tricky to manage that sort of opening space and i think you can get away with with some pretty sloppy progression design you know mid and late tier in a game because your your people are sticking around at that point uh but early is so hard so honestly that first probably the first hour and a half that people tend to play through in crashlands which is you know you you start you start on the ship spoiler alert you crash land on a planet and then uh from there you know you go and you build armor you build a weapon and then things just kind of spiral out of control but that first little bit, um, I think we had redone that sequence. I don't even just just some ungodly number of times. It probably like as far as the entire story goes, like the entire story is it ends up being about a forty hour you know adventure narrative thing, and there's like fifty thousand words of of quest text in the game. Um, that first little bit took way more time than everything else did, sort of comparatively. So the way we ended up thinking about it was we wanted to sort of frame the experience really effectively for people right off the bat. Uh, in, other, in other words, you know, what is Crashlands about sort of at its core and then make it so that that is, that is the first experience that you have and you cannot not have that. So we start off on the ship where you're actually not harvesting anything. So the game starts off with you and your, your, uh, your buddy Juicebox trying to ship these packages and it's just got a bunch of like just... Again, goofy jokes, weird humor, weird aliens, just right off the bat, right? So we sort of set the tone for the narrative. You crash land, and that's sort of when the the game's mechanics start showing through. And we decided that the order progression wouldn't make any sense if we tried to to essentially get the player into combat immediately, which we could have done, but we we decided that the game really is, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of the comments we get about it is that people can enter into sort of like a zen state when they're, on a harvesting spree in the game, you can kind of just chill out and you'll accidentally, you know, cut deforest an entire region of the planet. Um, and that sort of feeling that really that Zen sort of, I'm just walking around and collecting everything feeling is what we wanted to deliver right up front because that really is, you know, at the, at the heart of the whole thing. So we actually made it so that players don't get a weapon for the first entire station in the game. And then before they can actually put a weapon on, they have to build armor so we built the that initial uh, piece of the campaign and play tested it and just kept on noticing that essentially players would die for reasons that we didn't want them to die for or, uh, you know, whatever else. And so we, we ended up having to really tightly kind of control that initial experience just to get people completely on board. And so the long and the short of the answer to that is is that we designed it wrong mostly first and then iterated on it with playtesting a ton of times until uh, we finally got to the point where it seemed like with that first little bit, that first hour and a half or so that people weren't just getting crushed into the dirt by 
all the various creatures and things that would murder them in the game. Yeah, I, I can definitely see how that uh, how that panned out because it it feels like um, there's you could have gone done it so terribly wrong. It sounds like you did initially. Yes. Dude. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, all all yeah. of our all of our instincts were wrong up front. We thought you know okay, this is a, it's like it's a crafting game. It's sort of a, it's it's got that survival feel to it, even though you're not really having to deal with survival. Um, you know, we should just like throw throw the kitchen sink at the player. That's what all these other games do. Yeah. And yeah. the reality was that like we don't like any of those games that do that. I mean, actually, no. none of none of us have gotten into Minecraft uh, for the exact reason that like it's just it's just too much up front, you know. And you kind of you yeah. need a buddy to onboard you. And you know, the only reason I ended up myself, I mentioned Terraria earlier, but the only reason I got into that one was actually when I played it multiplayer with my brother who had already played it, right? And so he sort of acted as like a tutorial person. And so we, we tried that initial method of just like, yeah, just throw people in the woods. Like all you have is a hatchet and your own sadness and you need to craft your yeah. entire life out of this, right? And and it was just like when you watch people play, it was horrible. And so yeah. we're like, okay, let's, you know, we need to give them, give them a little more rope. And they just kept on, kept on, kept on going. Um, and that's sort of where the story was born out of, was this kind of this need to, in the initial early stages of the game, kind of help onboard people and not have them feel terrible while playing. Like the whole point of the game is not to feel bad. You know, it's supposed to be this sort of strangely delightful romp, like you said, despite the fact that everything's on fire, uh, through this planet. And if that initial sequence doesn't set that tone, then, you know, it, it sort of ruined the, it kind of ruined the whole thing for a lot of people. Yeah. So it took a lot of iteration to get right. I mean, you've already hinted at this next uh, answer to the next question, but I want to I want to dig into it further. There is a sense of hopelessness in the game mm-hmm. sometimes. Uh, in Crashlands, you definitely feel that uh, you're in a pretty bad situation. One minute, you are merrily just transporting some courier message or packages across mm-hmm. the universe. Next minute, you get blowed up. It's not a spoiler. It happens in the first minute of the game, trust yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, it's the whole, you know point of this the, the the core sort of plot of line of the of the of the game you crash into the into this uh, alien world and go right you got this you know wrench and yep. this really irritating android robot thing yep have fun <laughs> yeah so is that why the humor is there because the player is dumped in a sense of a pretty hopeless situation yeah. Is that why it's infused with so much humor? So, well, I think to speak to that actually is probably better to back up and and sort of cover the origin of the game in the first place. Uh, yeah. So the because the game so the game came out of uh, myself getting a cancer diagnosis oh. when I was uh, twenty three. So, you know, at the time our our studio was like a year and a half old. We still were like barely making enough, enough money to be alive. And uh, it's just me and my brother, Seth. And we're working at the time on this like really sort of stupid endless runner thing that we're building for mobile. And yeah, I got this this really bad diagnosis. I think I had a 7% prognosis or something like that. And so that was like that after the first chemo is the night that I built the Roomba prototype I talked about earlier. And then I showed Seth the next day and I was like, I'm going to be honest, you know, I don't like if, if, if this is the last thing I make, like, I don't want it to be this endless runner thing. I just don't, it needs to be something bigger. And so the story of Crashlands, like the whole setup of it is actually sort of, and this is something like you wouldn't know unless you know the actual backstory, but, uh, it's, it's designed to be sort of a, a very light mimicry of that entire scenario that we had sort of as a family and as a studio, which was we're just sort of hurtling through space doing our jobs, you know? And then and then shit just hits the fan. Yeah. And and we're thrown into this insane place and, and everyone's literally struggling to survive in our case, but uh, you know, a little more uh, jokily in, in the case of Crashlands. And the reality is like the reason why the game is so funny, uh, part of it is because of course we just like being funny people. Like we're always the office is literally just constantly covered in terrible puns and cracking jokes and that sort of thing. Um, but then on top of that, that it's, it is to me the best defense mechanism against that 
darkness, you know, that, that, uh, that sort of horrible creeping feeling of, you know, in the case of flux, you know, crash landing on this planet and having to traverse the whole thing in order to try to get these packages back, uh, and, and, and ship them. And, uh, yeah. And, and then like sort of the, the way the story sort of unfolds, uh, in crash land sort of beats along some of the same things as what we experience, which is, you know, you have these rising feelings of like, Oh yeah, we're going to make it. And then, you know, things don't pan out. So, uh, that's, that's actually how the narrative of the game, the sort of core idea of the narrative of the game is it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be like an everyman story where you say, this is a person who's just trying to do their job, but the world just keeps getting in the way as it sometimes does, but they are so determined to do their job and they're so, and they're still just enjoying the process so much. Uh, that was one of the things we wanted to sort of get at is, is flux rarely get like the characters rarely get down actually about what's happening. Uh, in fact, it's in some moments they seem to start reveling, you know, various, various portions of the story and, and sort of what weird zany stuff is happening. And that was really important to us too, because, you know, in even in the heart of these really, really dark moments for, for a person in real life, whether it's, you know, or, or in a game, um, you certainly can have these cracks of humor and these sort of cracks of light come through. And I think it's, it's a, it's a more fun way to both live and to play than to just say like, Oh, it's, it's horrible all the time. You know, you're struggling all the time. Everything's dark. Because it gets exhausting, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's absolutely exhausting. Yeah. And, uh, if you're prepared for that kind of thing, then fine. But you know, no. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even if you're prepared for it, you know, it's like, it's, it's not fun to do. No, Uh, It can't be, but, but there is fun in it. Yeah, unfortunately. So, so yeah. So, uh, next one, next question is about mechanic. About the mechanics of the game. It sounds a bit dry, but bear with me, and I ask it because I have to. Because one of the things that struck me, one of the things that could get me going through Crashlands uh, when I played it on iOS when I was on a flight to Pax East, and the flight felt like an hour rather than seven. <laughs> that <it actually> was. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so thanks for that. Uh-huh. Um, was um, the combat's really tactical. Yeah. Uh, and relies on, on uh, and um, relies on it not escalating too much or the player not making things worse. Yes. Uh, there are some creatures that you can hit and then they go, oh, that's my friend. I'm going to help. Oh, God, no. Yep. And you get sort of swarmed. Can you take us through the design of the combat, please? Sure. So you want to hear about the sort of the, the iterations that ended up getting us there? Just just maybe or just, just describe the, the, the combat and why it is the way it is. How are you sure. able to how are the best way to answer that question? How yeah. do you you know, it's it's an extraordinary thing. How you managed to get that to work on yeah. an iOS device or, or, or on a mobile because that's what its origins are. It's now, yes. of course, on it has been on it's now on the computers and, and now the switch, but uh I first encountered it on iOS, my iPad. Yeah. So we, we took a lot of inspiration actually from Diablo, uh, which of course is just, you know, you click it around, click it around doing stuff. And uh, the one thing that, the, the thing we loved about Diablo was the, the simplicity actually of that interaction, which is you just, you're literally just clicking on stuff. Um, and maybe you hit some other buttons. Like if you think about D2, uh, you have a spell usually that you have, right? And then that's it. And... Uh, but you can play that game for hours because of the loot drops and stuff. And so the question was, can we do something that is light enough that that most players can engage with it? So in other words, like it's not it, it's not exceptionally difficult on a, like a sheer uh, you know precision level mechanically from from player standpoint. Um, you can learn the moves. Can you, can you learn the moves? Can you, you know, anticipate and you know, move, out, move out of the way and that sort of thing? Um, and so we, we sort of started there and then started iterating forward. And so a lot of the initial designs were, were way overly punishing. Uh, so generally, we, we tend to, I think a lot of developers do generally as well, which is we tend to make things way too hard sort of at the outset and then get some playtesting in and kind of figure out uh, how, how things are shaping out. And so where it's landed is, is sort of what we refer to as the dance of death, which is these enemies put down these telegraphs on the ground that show you exactly where the damage is going to come from. 
because this is actually something that we've never liked about a lot of the, the crafting uh, genre games is that they have really fuzzy borders about where you're going to be actually, you know, getting murdered and where you're not. And even though Crashlands is very light in terms of the punishing aspect when you die, uh, we never wanted it to feel like it wasn't your fault. Like you were talking about, actually, it's, it's kind of like the floaty platforming thing you were talking about, Little Big Planet. Like we want it to be the case that if you died, you were the one who did that to yourself. And the yeah, only way. It's your the, fault. Exactly. Yeah. 100% your fault every single time. And the only way we could do that was by being literally just completely explicit about the attack patterns uh, that are like basically where the damage is going to be coming from. And in fact, there's actually some forgiveness in those. So the visuals are, are slightly bigger than the actual hitboxes for these things. Um, and what that ends up doing is that sometimes, like if you ever, there are some times actually where the player should be getting hit, but they don't. Uh, but it, that particular thing, like that level of forgiveness on behalf of the game allows players to feel awesome, right? Because they're like, oh man, like that, that was that must have been so close, you know, that sort of feeling. Um, so, so we try to hit this point where you you are always to blame for your death. That was sort of a critical rule. And then on top of that, that the, that the enemies telegraphed, or that sort of led to this idea of the telegraphed attacks. And then what that allowed us to do was actually kind of ramp up some of the craziness of it. Because if you know exactly where the damage is, is going to land and where it's going to come from, um, it's much easier for us actually to throw a bunch of things on screen at a time and have the players successfully navigate that. So the boss fights in the game, for example... Uh, are some of the points where people have have written into us about like just the sheer surprise they had about what happened um with so for example one of them which a uh, mild spoiler but i want to say how you get to this one but the bacon wheat fairy uh which i i don't know if you if you recall fighting um but it oh yes yeah so oh, yes. so she does what essentially turns the game into a bullet hell uh during her boss fight uh, but with the with the addition of all those telegraphs on the ground, um, it's it's a bit easier to sort of navigate that insanity of that screen and and really really fun. So we we basically started at that at that sort of core point of like you should always be blamed for your death, and then iterated forward and uh, and also you know of course using using the sort of click to move idea meant that the time between uh, enemy attacks ended up being a really good way to sort of tune the difficulty so in other words if an enemy had like a really crazy or big attack pattern that was kind of hard to deal with then we could actually balance the enemy very easily by just making them sit a little bit longer between attacks because that's the time where players are sort of free to you know move in and start striking them and so we found that that, that it just happened to have all these really nice design levers that worked pretty effectively uh you know for most of the, the enemies in the game to give us all the tools we needed to to kind of tweak and tweak and tweak until until things worked really well. So that's kind of how that just slowly evolved forward from from those simple desires and the simple sort of design constraint and the click to move into the sort of dance of death with a lot of tactical stuff that it's got going on today. It it, it added another layer to the game that made it so that it's not just a simple clicker. No yes. one wants that. It yeah. was actually oh no, don't you think this is a simple little um, sort of dumbed down survival game. No, you've got to play. You've got to be skilled at something. Yes. Well, we, yeah, we and wanted. Always... Yeah, we we really wanted it to be the case that you know that if you got into combat with something that that you you were in combat with it. Like you can't just not participate. Like you can in some games. Like as you're saying with like sort of clicker esque games, uh, you can you can be sort of half minded about it and sometimes get out okay. Um, in a Crashlands, yeah, if you're not paying attention when you get into combat with well, something, you get killed. Yeah, you yeah, will. Yeah. You will absolutely get murdered, one hundred percent. Yeah, even if, like you've got massive armor and a big old weapon, doesn't matter. Still, yeah, get your, yeah, yeah. And so the game has this. It's very strange because it's it can simultaneously be very punishing in terms of these combat things, but then the actual consequence for death. We we experiment with tons of different death mechanics. Um, but the one we landed on is just the last. Essentially, it's the last uh, ten to twenty things that you picked up the very most recent things fly. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And then you can come back and get them. Um, yeah. and that seemed, that was actually enough. If we didn't throw out anything, then it was, then deaths are meaningless. Uh, yeah. but with that, because it's most often then that, you know, if you're trying to creep into like a really hard area and you're, you're specifically a lot of basically as players get more experience, they tend to specifically pick up things that they want. 
uh, which means that if you die, you tend to drop 10 things that you specifically are wanting right now. And yeah. so, it, you know, it tended to be the case that it just kind of, it kind of balanced itself out nicely. It, did, it reminded me a little bit of the corpse run. And yeah. Quest, which yeah, absolutely. And uh, speaking horrible. Yeah, that, that was no fun at all. But speaking about the, uh, you, you mentioned the fact that the, the creatures will gang up on you. If you yeah, sort yeah, of, yeah. yeah. So that came about because, uh, fighting, it just felt strange. Honestly, like if you if you walk up and there's two of the same animal next to each other and you start beating on one, it was just weird that the other one didn't respond, right? It just looked so strange and completely yeah. non-immersive. Um, and so we added that in and then we took it actually one step further before pulling it back, to, back to that point, which was that uh, in a previous iteration of the game, the enemies could hit each other uh, if they were of a different species. And so the problem was that there are certain enemies that have these ranged attacks. And especially in the savannah, there are these, these glutterflies and they shoot these acid bombs out. So you're and, talking about genocide, aren't you? Yeah, it was, it was literally like <laughs> if, you, if you angered one glutterfly, the entire screen, like the entire savannah just erupted yeah. into chaos. And then, which was awesome, but also the, the actual the problem what there was you know, at that point, players can cheese a lot of the progression of the game because you can just sort of train one of these big enemies uh, that you can't actually kill onto a bunch of other enemies that you also can't actually kill and just sort of use it as sort of a, you know, an angry mower behind you and then have it sort of murdering things for you and picking up all the loot. So we ended up sort of pulling that one back, but it was it was very spectacular for the short period of time that it, that it made an appearance <laughs> in the game. Yeah, it's, it sounded like a behavioral study um, program rather than yes. uh, yeah, it's like that's not really what we're trying to make here. Nice bit of science, though, but yeah, that's not what we want. Right, to do. right. Okay, so last question. Last question. Um, just want to talk about the story. There is a very strong story that runs throughout Crashlands, which we've we've hinted at. But I just want to ask: Does it was it created to give a player a sense of purpose? Yes. That is 100% the reason. Uh, you know, speaking again from a group of people who didn't really like crafting games, um, one of our biggest problems with them generally is that is 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 really answering that question of that pesky human question of why am I here? You know, yeah. Why does why does yeah. this matter? What am I doing? Anything? Yeah. And I think the wonderful thing about games is that. Well, I mean, that, that question is extremely thorny and hard to deal with as an actual human being, right? But the beautiful thing about making games is that you can provide an answer to that question that exists and is totally clear and relevant and is an answer inside the context of your game, yep. right? So, yep. like, now I'm playing this game because, like, the game told me why. I know why. I need to get to, in the case of World of Warcraft, I need to get to level 60. Super important for some reason. Um in the case of Crashlands, it's like, I need to deliver these packages. You know, that's why I exist. Yeah, and despite the crazy thing that killed you in the first place. Exactly. In the first place, who is not well. No. Sorry, Sam, not well, <laughs> not well. Yeah, he's got, yeah. he's got some issues, you know. He's got issues. He's got issues. He needs, he's beyond hugging, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, he should have been cuddled a long time ago. That didn't long, work out. Long, long time ago. Yeah. That didn't happen. Yep. And that's the result. That's probably exactly why I think it's a lack of nurture and care early on. Yeah, uh, and and um, and many other things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, I think uh, that the the point of stories and games to us very much is to give people a, a sense of purpose. Uh, hmm. We actually learned this with one of our previous games called Quadrupus Rampage, which was a mobile game um, that was sort of a top-down running around just beating the crap out of stuff in the ocean was sort of the idea and uh, we were about to launch it actually and we sent it off to a few people to just again play test it and see what's going on and they were like oh I mean it feels really good the combat's really good love the random drops but uh, they were like I you know I don't really know why I'm doing any of this and we we're like oh shit because we we're about to launch <laughs> like within like two two weeks um, and of course yeah. we're on mobile so we don't have to deal with certain thing like that but we were like okay well and so we we literally made the boss for the game he was named Pete. Uh, and he, all he did, like he would show up. It was, it was sort of like a, a depth based game. So like level by level, the game got harder. Right. 
And your goal, so we made it so that your goal was now with Pete in the game to get to depth 100 and to defeat him at depth 100. And otherwise he would just show up sometimes and harass you. So what he, yeah, yeah, he yeah, would, broke uh, off again. So like, sorry, give me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he would just show up and, and literally just sass you every so often. And, uh, it, like just say, like basically just say mean things about you or even say like, how could you be destroying all these, all these creatures? You know, they have families, they have mortgages to pay. Um, so just like cracking jokes, that sort of thing. Um, and then he would show up at different depths and you'd have to defeat him. And then you make all your way all the way down to the bottom and beat him. And this took us like three days to implement, right? Didn't take a long time. It was like the, the literally the last thing we put in the game. And it was the only thing people talked about after the game was released. Uh, it was, yeah. it was like, it was the big thing. It was the thing that kept people going. And so we realized, uh, you know, uh, we about a year into dev with Crashlands, most of the systems were done, actually. And we were about halfway content complete. And then you know, we had some people play it, and then we had we had that same response, which is like, well, I mean, it's fun. Like, the systems are tight, but people would play it for like two, maybe three hours, you know? And then they'd be like, okay. So I don't, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why. I could keep going, but why would I keep going? And so we said, okay. Clearly, we need we need to find our Pete, you know, in this scenario, and so we step back, and then that's how the whole story was born. Yeah, the the mail delivery man trying to do his job, mm-hmm. and everything everything is out to kill him. Doesn't care, just wants to get just he's got a parcel to deliver, and he's going to do it. Right, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Crashlands by Butterscotch Shenanigans is out now as you're listening to this, on Nintendo Switch most recently, and also Windows PC, Mac, Linux, iOS, and Android. Uh, I personally spent most of my time in this game on my iPad, uh, while uh, typically while traveling, uh, mm. because uh, it's, it's very much a game that uh, distracted me from the streaming children on, <laughs> on planes. Yes, it will uh, teleport you through time. So yeah. It's very good for that. Yeah, excellent. It, it's... Uh, yeah, it was. I got recommended by someone in podcasting land, uh, Games with Jobs. Um, Julian Murdoch said, "Yeah, it's good. You should play this, Chris." And he was right. And, <laughs> cool. uh, I was so delighted to see that uh, it come out on Nintendo Switch because it's a great platform. Yes, uh, for the game, it really, you know, it's 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 spot on. So uh, yeah, well, well, well done with that. I understand. You. you know, it's it's. It, it, I wanted to contact you earlier, but it's just. It's hard. It's just hard to, to. Things are hard, you know. Yeah, things are hard, but we managed it. Uh, and actually, uh, dear audience, we had some problems time-wise trying to make sure, like there was weather issues, and then we <laughs> then we had time zone issues. All great. of the forces, all of the forces of the world, but they couldn't stop us. They know? couldn't stop us. No, it had to happen. Had to. And I'm very happy that it did. Um, Sam, it's been fantastic having you on. Yes, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. And uh, we do wish you the very best of luck in future endeavours, of course. And more than welcome to come back and chat about them when they are done two, three years from now. I don't know when. Um, <laughs> Sounds good. But uh, we will be here because we've been here for five. I'm sure we'll be here when you're done. But in the meantime, thanks very much. Thank you.